Welcome to the Beyond Intent Podcast. This is Andre, and on behalf of myself and my two co-hosts, Adrian and TJ, we would like to thank you for listening to the podcast. But real quick, we got a quick message for you. You'll notice these first two episodes that the podcast is named something different. So now the podcast formerly known as Be Heard is now Beyond Intent. Thank you. And we hope you enjoy. Welcome to the very first, the very first Be Heard podcast presented by Manifest Beast. I am your host, Andre Berry, and I am here with my close friend and co-founder of Be Heard, TJ. And we want to do something a little different on this podcast. Usually on podcasts, you bring in the big guests. But uh, we wanted to introduce you to to us, and uh, we have the uh, very fortunate opportunity to interview uh, one of our co-founders. TJ, who we got? Today, our guest is a very close friend of ours and a co-founder of the podcast, Dr. Adrian Wilkins. Adrian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I still getting used to that doctor handle all it's been three years since I got my doctor I still can't believe that I am a doctor <laughs> Get used I to can't it. believe you went to school long enough I wouldn't I, I trust me I did not want to go to school as long as I went <laughs> uh, but I figured if I stopped I would never go back and there were people who were actually looking up to me to, you know to Keep going to school because where I grew up, I had my guidance counselor even tell me in high school that I wouldn't get into college, and that if I did, I'll just drop out and start working in a cotton mill, which I wow. did. Yeah, I actually did go to college and I dropped out. I went working in a cotton mill and got married and got divorced, and then. Uh-huh. Man. moved to New Jersey, not New Jersey, Brooklyn. There's a whole lot of craziness that went on with me. Mm. Hey, we all have a path though, right? Dude, yeah. it's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah. Well, let's jump right into it. Adrian, I hope you're ready, man, because we, we brought the questions. Bring it first, on. <laughs> first off, I'm sure we definitely want to know, but everybody else out there especially wants to know, what motivates you? Ooh, that's a hard one. It shouldn't be hard, but it is hard because there's several different things that motivate me. Um, one thing is thinking of my younger brother who nearly died of diabetes when he was in sixth grade. That motivated me to keep going. My wife actually keeps me going. Farrah is 
the wind beneath my wings. She keeps me going when I feel like quitting. She tells me if I quit, she's going to quit me. And I do not want her quitting me. I saw a quote the other day. I think it was yesterday I saw it. said, um, the measure of a man's success is by the woman he keeps in his life. And just by how she keeps going, it's kept me going. And that motivates me just about more than anything. So there have been times I wanted to quit everything and just sit and lay in bed all day and just watch Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> mm. I mean, and I you guys, that I, I, I have to admit, you two motivate me a lot as well. I mean, seeing what you do, Dre, that motivates me. TJ, we talk a good bit. You motivate me. I'm, and I think it's a circle of life, not circle of life, but just the support system that we have given each other, that we have opened our lives up to having. Because, you know, in today's world, we got this macho thing where you have to be macho. But it's not always about that. Sometimes it's about supporting one another and saying, yo, man, you can do better. Or be like, yo, what's going on? I know you're going through something. And I am just grateful to have you to uh, to just be like, yo, what's going on? Let's talk. And we had some great conversations about opening up. I agree wholeheartedly. It's nice to have that, you know, support system in place. It, it you know, wife, you guys, you know, um, basically everybody that we come into contact with. It's it's good to, you know, know that you have some real ones with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, there's, there's no worse feeling than being, you know, feeling like you're alone. So to, to know you got that support system in place at any point is uh i'd say that's that's a blessing because i know there's some people out there struggling you know so uh always grateful for the support system yes sir um go ahead adrian no go ahead go ahead no you're you're good to go i was i was gonna i was gonna try to pry more so if you're telling i'm not prying (laughs) oh no go ahead pry on pry on I can say I'm an open book, so I mean my story, and I feel that my story can help a lot of other people motivate and push themselves because uh, how many people we know that's been told you can't do this, or because of your family you're not able to do this, or because of your race you're not able to do this, or whatever the case may be, and I just say that my my story. I think can motivate people to move out of their comfort zone and to step forward because, I mean, my parents, they didn't go to college. Uh, my, uh, I'm the first that went to college and I dropped out and I decided to go back in. And my family, we didn't have any type of money or anything. I mean, I, I grew up eating sugar sandwiches and mayonnaise sandwiches yeah. in South Carolina. And I, I joked that one time we didn't have cereal, so we took um, ice cream cones. We had no ice cream, but we had ice cream cones. Mm. Still to this day, never figured out why we had ice cream cones with no ice cream. <laughs> and we would crumble those ice cream cones up and we'd sprinkle a little sugar on it. And we didn't have milk. We had to use water. That was our yeah. homemade cereal. Yeah. Yeah. And I look back uh, on those things. And I just like look where we come from. Yeah, 
I think that that's another interesting thing about our podcast. And I hope Dre, you don't take this like in the wrong way, but it's a good dynamic to have one white guy, two, two black guys. It's a good dynamic to have (laughs) one of those, one of those black men lived a totally different life than the other one. Um, you know, we have, we have like, you were set up to, to succeed. Your parents did right by you and not that our parents didn't try. Um, but it's, it's such an interesting dynamic as we move forward, having all of these, uh, different backgrounds that we can pull experience from that all of us understand from a different perspective, but also at the same way, you know what I mean? No, I absolutely. And, you know, I think, even with my situation, I got to, it was a very brief period I got to experience that. Um, But I also got to see, and I think this is part of my success now, is I got to see from the ground up. Um, I actually got to see my parents grow, uh, which is is cool, um, you know, because now I'm in that same situation where my kids get to see me grow, you know, from what I was to, to where I'm, you know, where I'm getting. So that was always cool to me to to be at one point and now see, you know, where my parents are now. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it just adds such a such an awesome dynamic to the podcast, um, you know, and it's it, it's just a recipe for success, in my, you know, in my opinion. Yep, exactly. And I, I feel like to a certain extent, Adrian, that, you know, I I can parallel what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um you know, first person in my family, other, well, my mother, my mother, uh, went to college, but dropped out pretty quick, but I was the first one to graduate high school, not needing to get a GED. Um, you know, I still remember saltine crackers with some peanut butter on them, you know, that those filler foods, right. You know, those things that mom and dad could get from, (laughs) you know, the local, the local food shelter or whatever they could put on the table. Um, right. and I, oh man, I still remember those days, you know, going over to my uncle's house and his girl pulling out a, the big block of cheese that you get from the government. Yep. Used to melt like Velveeta too. Uh, but man, I still remember them having to cut the green off the outside mm. <laughs> because they couldn't let it go bad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they had to get as much out of it as they could. Um, and, and like you said, Dre, I think that the, the one thing where all three of us actually, um, meet at the same point is we've all grown exponentially out of the shadows of what we were meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And the the best thing is that we were able to grow out of those, even those things that was set up to make us fall or try to make us fail, whether it be situations or people. I mean, let's be real. We have people in our lives, even if it's family members, that just were just absolute haters. And I had my share of that in, in my own family. And the thing is, I had to fight past those. And my mom always said to me, they ain't got a heaven or hell to put you in, so why are you worried about what they think? Right. You go and do what you have to do. And even though I did want to do some things, I had to do it because I, I'm one of those people. I'm an introvert by nature, which is crazy. I'm a preacher and I'm an introvert. <laughs> I just like to keep to myself and I don't talk a lot. 
when I do talk a lot, is to let my wife tell it. But um, <laughs> I had, we had to go past these things, had to, these roadblocks. And we and the thing I love about all of about the three of us, when we were talking earlier, we talked about some things growing up. Although we, all the three of us, had different life, different lives. Uh, of course, I'm the oldest. I'm born in '74, so I mean. I had lead paint and everything around me, but we all went through different things, but yet we had some things that were very similar. Like, I mean, I'm the biggest person in our family. My father was probably like 5'10 and very skinny. And I remember I said, I disrespected him. And I was saying to you earlier that it was Friday evening when I disrespected him and I woke up Saturday morning, and that and and this and not not saying that we all got knocked out like that, but we had we had that stable that one staple that we could tie together the three of us, and it's something that helped us grow to where we are right now. Right. It helped us right. to be the men that we are, instead of being the men that we could be. And I just thank God for that. But I mean, like again, different lives. I was born and raised in South Carolina. TJ, you were in uh, Buffalo, one of those areas. And, and um, Andre, where did you grow up? Out in Las Vegas area? Uh, Reno, Nevada. Reno? Yeah. So different dynamics. The three of us, all over the place. But we come together. Through what through a different means, sports, <laughs> sports yeah. brings the world together, and and we came together through that, and we built this. We building this up, the Be Heard podcast, the Manifest Beast brand, and it's just amazing what we're doing, and we're and I'm just excited about what we're going to continue to do. Right. Right, definitely. It's exciting to see what the future holds. You know, speaking of accomplishments, um, you know, you've you've worked at ESPN, you've dabbled in wrestling, you are now a pastor, you are a doctor. What do you consider your biggest accomplishment? Aside from those, uh, well, she's not mine, my little niece. I think she's my biggest accomplishment because we get to raise her. To be my spitting image, although she looks just like my wife. But other than that, <laughs> oh man, I guess becoming a doctor, get my doctorate, because again, my guidance counselor from high school said that I wouldn't get into college. And each degree, I got my BA in mass media from the University of District of Columbia, uh, graduated cum laude, which surprised the mess out of me. I'm like, Ah, I'm actually a little smart. <laughs> then I got I got a master's of science in sports management from American Public University. And then I got my master's of divinity. And now I got my doctorate in ministry. And I'm like, wow. I never thought growing up that I would be a doctor of any kind. Because I, I, I ain't going to lie to you. I hate school. I hated every bit of it because I'm a, I guess I, people could say I'm a lazy student. My, one of my professors would be like, man, 
you'd be amazing if you actually tried. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but and I guess the other thing is I did like doing presentations and with my doctor, I had to do all these presentations in front of people and it just worked the mess out of me. But being becoming a doctor, yeah. Although my favorite accomplishment was dabbling in wrestling. That was so much fun and so much pain. <laughs> Mike Morgan of American Championship uh, Entertainment, he worked us. My first day of training, I done like 200 back bumps in a ring. And this ring, and people think the wrestling rings are like padded. It's really not. It's like a thin canvas. Mm-hmm. And there, there's steel beams and there's plywood. And those bad boys did not give. And I'm, and at that time, I was like 350 pounds. 350 pounds falling back plus gravity is pain. And concussion. <laughs> and concussion. If you don't, and that's the thing is, they're like, tuck your chin, tuck your chin. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I took that first bump and I hit my head hard. And they're like, ow. And they're like, oh, you didn't listen. Tuck that chin. So every time I was practicing doing the bumps, I had my chin already tucked in all the way into my chest. They're like, no, you got to make it look fluid. They're like, uh-uh. I am not going to the hospital concussion. Oh, God, please, no, no. But that was so much fun. It was a lot of pain, but I had so much fun in it doing that. And, I mean, I, I, that's the time I wouldn't, I, 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 I joke about going back, getting back in the ring to do some work, and my wife says, no. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> you're almost 50 years old. Who do you think you are? You ain't Ric Flair. I'm like, well, <laughs> Well, she said, no, you ain't Space Mountain. You ain't Ric Flair. Forget it. So <laughs> that dream got killed. Well, not killed, but, you know. Put out right. the pasture. Yeah, yeah put out yeah. the pasture. Yeah, get it be heard. Might as well use the. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. We have the drum. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, uh, Agent, I'll say, man, that's it's it's crazy. Uh, when we, you know, when we first met, uh, to to hear that you, you know, what you know, a preacher and a wrestler, uh, they just they don't go hand in hand. You know, you don't think of one with the other. Um, so it was really cool to see kind of the different ventures in your life, um, you know, and and where it's taking you. But um, that that actually leads me to my next question, though. Um, and you kind of gave me one of your your uh your quotes you know that you went by but what is what is the doctor's favorite quote my favorite quote is actually a bible verse jeremiah 29 and 11 Ooh. i know the plans i have for you plans to plans not to harm you i'm not paraphrasing it and it's saying that god has the plans for me and he knows the plans so if he knows the plans why are you worried about everything else right and I have to tell myself this a lot of times because I'm a worry wart. I worry about everything. And I guess that's part of the being a pastor. I worry about my people. I worry about my city. I worry about the world. I just worry about what, how the church is going to function. And if I'm going to keep it, you know, especially during this time of COVID, when I'm going to shut it back down. Because when I was pastoring in New York, when COVID first hit, 
I was one of the first churches that shut it down because I had a 99 year old member who mm. would have came to church and she was about to turn 100 and I'm like, I cannot let this woman get sick and die before she turns 100 because of my ego. And I kept hearing, I got the plans. I know the plans. I know the plans. Just trust me. Just trust me. And so I had to go leap out on faith. Or as Steve Harvey said one time, jump. Mm. And sometimes we have to jump. And sometimes we have to fall, you know. Uh, one of the be- another thing is I, I say to, especially to young kids or, or young adults, rather, is that the most painful time in a bird's life is when they're being pushed out of the nest by the mother bird because they're literally being pushed out so they can fly. They never stretch the wings out to fly or do that before. So at that point, it's fly or die. And that's sometimes what we have to do in order to get out of our comfort zone and get into a a new level or higher level. We have to stretch our wings. We have to do some things that we're not comfortable doing. We have to rely that God has a plan. And sometimes it's not going to go the way we want it. It will happen if we stick to it. Now, I take myself, for example, I didn't want to be a preacher. (laughs) And some people ask, ask before, you know, why did you become a preacher? It ain't that I wanted to be one. I did everything I could to get away from being a preacher. I went into wrestling. I, I Like y'all said earlier, I dabbled with ESPN, which was mad fun working on Pardon the Interruption and Around the Horn. and met some very humble people when I worked at Atlantic, um, Atlantic um, Video in Washington, D.C. And I did everything possible to, to stay away from that pastor preaching ministry and when my wife passed the bar in the new jersey bar and we moved back to new jersey we saw one of my old friends he had a church in newark new jersey and we went to his church and we we joined it and he took me to the side and said so when are you gonna start stop running and start preaching and i said what you talking about man <laughs> and he told me he he told me he read me to he read me like a book from when people said in South Carolina that I was going to be a preacher. I bet people been saying I was going to be a preacher since I was like 13 years old. And I'm like, no, thank you. Because, you know, in my head at the time, all these scandals with all these preachers were coming out. And I said, nah, dog, I don't need that. You got the whole mess with Jimmy Swagger and then Jim Baker. And then, you know, it just seemed like Nobody trusted preachers, right. and I understood why. Because there are a lot of preachers. There are a lot. There is all for money. They preach more on money than preaching <clears throat> salvation or trying to do ministry to help their fellow man and woman. And I'm like, I wanted to stay away from that, but I got beat down. But my mother-in-law, she's a retired priest in the Episcopal Church, and she said she had a dream that she was in a church and I was preaching. Now like, you're out your mind. No one's gonna <laughs> listen to me. And I'm like, and I said, you know, I don't like the sound of my voice. And no, and I said, I've been to short the microphones out because I'll start sweating. And the people at my church right now, they seem to be sweat in the winter time. And they're like, how are you sweating so much? 
And I'm like, that's just how I am. That's anxiety. <laughs> anxiety. Yes. And that's the other thing. I mean, I, I always, my other thing I was afraid about being a preacher is that I don't ever want to say anything that drives people away from something that's supposed to make them feel good. Right. And I have seen preachers drive people away with their comments. Yeah. And it, it was it was the comments to make them search their heart. I see one preacher go up to another woman in church and say, "You're fat. You're disgusting, and you're fat." And I'm like, "Whoa, dude!" Yeah. And I'm like, "Do you know in the in the right neighborhood you go catch some hands?" Right. I mean, in the wrong neighborhood too. <laughs> yeah. 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 All the so, neighborhoods. All neighborhoods. And I'm like, I never want to be that person that drop because that woman never went back to church. Yeah, she never went back to church. And yeah, there's a, certain, there's a certain like necessary tact that you have to have. Um, as far as you, you know, uh, the way you say things to people, you know, it's mm -hmm. one thing to say, you know, I feel like you may be unhealthy and I would love to see you start taking better care of yourself. But, right. you know, a lot of people don't have that ability. Um, I, I do have to ask. So. Or, or I guess interject, um, and this was something that we talked about before we even started the podcast that I thought that, you know, would be interesting to bring to the table. I, you know, your Bible quote, I kind of live my life to that to a certain extent, but I, I, I allow myself to be led by the, by the universe, you know, by mm -hmm. the by the sense that I get, you know, I, in the past, I have bought things for one business that ended up, you know, shutting down. And then I start something else or Alicia, my wife will start something else and we'll have this stuff that I bought from another instance sitting right mm -hmm. there. And it's exactly what we need. Exactly. Right. You never and, know uh, what... Go ahead, Adrian. You never know what you get maybe for something else. Exactly. Um, like right now, I y'all heard me say I've been I got married and I'm divorced from my first wife. I mm. got married when I was 21 years old, 21, 22. I knew nothing about marriage or love or anything like that. Some people do, not me at that time, because I was I went from school and working in a cotton mill. I didn't date anybody. No one dated the six four the six three six four guy in high school. I was the monster. Because I was telling everybody, ain't nobody want to deal with me. Even And then I always got that quote, I like you, but like a brother. I got put in that friend zone so many times, being funny. <laughs> but oh, what, I learned, what I learned from my first marriage, I took it to this marriage. There are things that I'm, I'm like, whoa, 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 we're going down this path. Oh, no, no, no. And there's always, I mean, there are things I learned in wrestling. That I still carry to to this day. I met this old wrestler named Loki. He's this inter, he's famous all over the world, and he had a quote, and he said it to us during training to keep us motivated. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. And I know a lot of people have said that and heard it, but when I first heard, it, I'm like, "Yo, this is not this is this is temporary." The tough times are temporary. Yep. And, yep. and the and the things I learned 
like in the world my league football mm-hmm. where we, the lessons I learned from there working with TJ and you Andre the, the lessons I learned there I actually take into the church everything may not last forever but you can always go back and just pick those things that you got from the past yeah that's just there waiting for you to use right exactly exactly and that's you know that's why i've always disagreed with the and this will you know i'll kind of end on this because we we should keep moving forward but i i've always believed you know my uh father-in-law when my wife and i first started dating he he called and he's like i found out that you've been at three different jobs in the last four years or two years you know whatever and mm-hmm. I still, that, that comes to my mind every day, but I was thinking about it just a couple days ago. You don't learn anything if you do the same thing for your entire life. Right. You don't learn anything. You might get really good at one thing, but yeah. if you're not moving up or moving out, you're not, you're not growing. Right. Right. I mean, isn't that what it's all about is growth, you know? Growth. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, who, who's going to work it? And even if you get a, get a high end job, like as a manager at McDonald's and the busiest McDonald's in the world, you're still maybe going to make 50, $60,000 at best Uh a year. Yeah. Why, why do that to yourself? If you have the opportunity and the intellect to go further, go further. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you bring up a good point, TJ. There's a, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard this, this poem, but it's called, uh, I believe the dash. Um, it talks about you, your your life and your death, and on your tombstone you have that dash. And what are people going to remember in between that dash? Ooh, that and powerful. you know, and and I don't want to be the person that's like he was just like I mean, if you think about someone saying that person is just like that's all you are, you know, you don't have this this legacy. And I think if you're not leaving a legacy behind, you've pretty much rob the world of what you were capable of doing and when you leave here everybody should be talking about the changes that you made and so yeah i I agree with you you know tj saying you know doing the same thing that's cool and you can get really good but are you really being remembered by just staying in your comfort zone yeah exactly are you feeling fulfilled or do you feel fulfilled at that i mean right exactly And that's, some you know, people, that's kind of where, go ahead, Adrian. Yeah, some people joke about, you know, joke to me about, you done this, 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 this. And, I mean, and y'all just put it to that. I mean, I'm had to look that poem up because, wow. And that, now, what are you going to be remembered for? Mm-hmm. Or you do you feel fulfilled? I mean, I when I first moved to Brooklyn out of South Carolina, and I left on a whim. My youngest brother would tell me, would tell you, if you talk to him, he like, yo, AD just up and left. He up and left South Carolina because he saw there was nothing for him here. Yeah. And truth be told, I mean, I, I also moved to move, moved to Brooklyn to live with a girl. But that, <laughs> but that, that broke down real quick. But I, when I moved to Brooklyn, I went really to write comic books. Because I thought at that time you had to live in New York to work for Marvel Comics or DC Comics. And I wanted to write comic books. And I met a whole bunch of people that's in comic books. 
and then they just moved everywhere. One of my one of the most famous people I know, Brandon Easton. He wrote he wrote uh he helped write the new Thundercat. He's writing for DC Comics. He wrote Agent Carter when it was on ABC. He does wow. all this writing. And he opened and meeting him, he opened up a new world of pro wrestling as well to me. Because I only saw WCW, NWA, uh, WWE. He opened the doors to seeing Ring of Honor to me. And that just blew my mind. And that just made me go into training more. I mean, all of us, uh, we, we put together the picture in our heads in the way that we have been taught to and that we've learned to. I look to the universe. You look to God. Um, I think Dre's somewhere in between. I just think I just think that's what it is. It's the path that you are meant to take based on the actions that you that you choose to partake in. But uh, so so with that being said, you know, you've got a long life ahead of you still. If like this is so this is a, a part of the show that we're going to do every time uh, that we are interviewing people. And it's this is a segment of the show that we call the manifest moment. Um, and during this time, we allow our guest which in this case is you, Adrian, um, ask the universe uh, for what it is that they need. So what is it that you need most? That is a great question. I ask myself that question a lot. And this is going to sound crazy. I need more self-confidence in myself for me. Um, a lot of times I'm not sure of myself. I'm not sure if I'm doing is right or if what I'm doing is good. I have, I won't say low self-esteem because, you know, when people put, you know, equate self-esteem, they equate it to their looks. And um, I look in the mirror every now and then. I'm like, hey, I'm a good looking dude. I just got to get rid of some of this gray hair. But, uh, <laughs> but me, I do need self-confidence and that I'm doing something right. And like, one of the things I want to do and I think we talked about it a lot is highlighting and focusing on men's mental health. And yep. that's one, also one thing that like black churches have always shied away from mental health because, you know, people, especially in church, black churches, they're like, if something's wrong, pray it away. You could pray it away. And I think we talked about this uh, not too long ago. It's great to pray to God. But God has got therapists out here for us to go talk to. And we need to get over the stigma, especially men, that we can't open up. And I, and I said this earlier, that I thank God. I'm very blessed to have the two of you to where we could just sit down. We just like, what's going on? Let's open up to each other. Because there are men out there. And if you look at TikTok, you see men all the time who do this macho thing. And I'm like, dude, you're just hurting. Yep. And I need more confidence in myself to be able to address those issues, to address those things. And as far as the entire universe, the, it, as a whole, we need more love. Just yeah. love mm -hmm. each other. I mean, you just love and respect. And, you know, I heard one person talk about aliens wouldn't dare come to this planet because the way we treat each other. Agreed. And it's, Agreed. And it's the same way with church. I said to my members at church, like, Y'all, y'all showing hate towards each other. Who would want to come to church? Who would want to come to Jesus Christ? I wouldn't. 
if I wasn't already in, if I'm looking at y'all, I would I would I wouldn't want to be part of y'all Bamas. <laughs> yep. So we uh in. I think I think something that I've come to the conclusion of uh and it's kind of like a quote I've made to live by lately at least is education is the key confidence is the vehicle and you can interchange those like those two can be interchanged they're you know interchanged if you have one it's only part of the process and you know you look through history through time i think i've seen dre become exponentially more confident in the time that i've known him you've become massively more confident but i do understand where you're coming from in the you know in the big scheme of things being more confident in yourself especially not just around the people you know that you feel good about but around the people that you don't even Mm know and and dre you can speak to this too i just i think that that is a saying that we should all to a certain extent live by because if you have education and you have confidence you're untouchable Oh yeah, you're you're dangerous at that point. You know, I think I think what happens is we, and this this is a part of the growing process, is we we get to a level of where we are confident in ourselves, and as soon as we level up, you know, we're we're hitting a level we've never been before, so right. we immediately start to doubt ourselves. Like, are we supposed to be here? You know, is, was this the plan? Um, you know, am I doing this right? It's you know, it's it's a given, but it also should let you know, like you're growing, you know, you're, you're, you're leveling up to each step. You know, you're going to have more haters, the, the higher you get, you're going to have more issues, you know, the, the higher you get. So I, I think if we just are aware at, okay, I've made it to this next step, you know, it's time to keep moving. I'm still betting on myself. You know, that's something I always tell myself when I'm like, man, should I, I really be doing this movie stuff? You know, nobody's going to, going to like what I'm doing. No, I'm going to continue to bet on myself because I bet on myself this whole time and I'm here. So, you know, why stop now? Um, yep. So we just be mindful. Be mindful that you're growing and it's just a part of the process. CJ, I don't know if you remember the quote that time when we were when we were doing the football. Because there was a time where we, if everybody had something negative to say about our organization. And I said, and I think came up with a quote saying, haters make us famous. Yep. Mm-hmm. And those people hated on us, and we had the top one of the top semi pro football leagues in the world, not just country, but in the world, because we had teams over in the UK ready to play. Yep. So I mean, hate, and that's because the haters, the word of mouth from the haters, and we got haters. That's gonna be haters no matter what we do. We get to be famous. Yeah. Right. Because. Right. They can't because we live rent free in their heads. They want to know what they could do. My mantra, you know, people talk about me all the time, especially being a new pastor. Oh, how he get this church over here? He ain't supposed to be doing this, this, this. They're like, oh, keep on hating on me. Yep. Haters gonna hate. Yep, and let your confidence come from that too. Like I feel like, you know, you say you want to you and and let's let's end on the positive side of that. Like you said that if you could ask the universe for anything and what you're really focusing on is that self-confidence. And I think that's, that's one of those things, taking confidence from the fact that whether you're loved or hated, people are talking about you and there's a good chance 
none of them are going to forget you. And even if some of them do, it's, you know, it's whatever. But I think that's, I think that's the vibe, you know, to live by, especially for you, Adrian, because I feel like you are an extremely good human being trapped in a, in a job, not trapped, trapped isn't the right word, but you were placed in a job that doesn't always work the best for truly good people. And I think that, I think that that should, that should give you quite a bit of confidence because you're one of the ones doing it for the right reasons. Right. And that should give you all the confidence in the world, but that's, you know, that's just me. I don't know if Dre has any more to touch on with that before the next question, but I just think that that should bring you a lot of confidence. That, uh, I can't follow that. You you crushed that one. I think you roll into the next question. All right. All right. Um, so with all the positive that we've done, I, I, Dre and I talked about this in, in the plan session. I want to visit with you during the time when you thought it was all over. When did you, and at what point in your life think it was all over? I know the exact date and time. February 9th, 2009 at 8 35 p.m. when my mother died I was and the thing is I got to I, because that was like two days before her birthday and um because my mom was my world my mom was my everything and she's been she was such a amazing woman and she not only raised myself and my two younger brothers but in our neighborhood, she raised the kids. Y'all probably know about it. Y'all had that one central female figure that just had her hands on every kid. Mm-hmm. And she raised a lot of other kids. And of course, including myself and my two younger brothers. But she had gallbladder cancer. And I was getting ready to go, uh, we were getting ready to go into production at, um, ESPN for around the horn and my father called me and my wife and I was going to surprise my mom on her birthday and show up just show up and my father called and said Adrian she's not going to make it I'm like what you mean she's not going to make it to that day so I left work and I was still in and I was still working in my final semester at UDC as well and I just got on an airplane and just flew down there. My brother picked me up in Charlotte and drove me back to the house. And I got to the room. She was breathing, just shallow breath. And she saw me. She asked me to play this one song for her. And I played it. And then it was on a CD. I burned the CD. And the CD player just stopped by itself i mean it was plugged into the wall and everything and it just turned off and i'm looking at it and i just looked at mom and she took one last breath she smiled and went and at that point i was done i didn't think i could do anything else in life because my major support system the one that told me to go back to college was gone the one who was there by my side when my first marriage fell to pieces was gone. The one who was there cheering for me when Farah 
my wife, my current wife and I, when we got married, she was gone. And I'm like, nothing can replace that. So I really thought at that point I was done. I was, it was over with. And I was about to drop out of school again because I couldn't, I just didn't think I had it mentally to go on. And I, my wife would tell you to this day, I still haven't properly mourned mom, my mother dying. And I guess that's something I'm going to, have to deal with with, not with in therapy and everything because I never let that go. I held, I hold on to that, and that, and for a while, for a good two, three years, I was angry at God for taking my mom. And I was like, "You got all these crazy people around here doing God knows what, and you take my mom, you take the good person, and all these crazy people. We got mass murderers." We got child molesters going rampant, child killers, kidnappers. You got all this going on, but you take my mom. I was done. I was done for a while. What what brought you back? My wife. And I say this to her all the time. She says some things and she does things that remind me that just, just like my mom. And she said something. I'm trying to remember what it was. And and she's like, you know, your mom would be very upset at you for the way you're behaving right now. And she said, what would your mom say to you? And it took like five minutes for that to sink into my head. Because it was like, because at that point, I did go back to school. I was just at school because... The semester was almost over. I'm like, oh, might as well just finish it out. And it was like, it was basically like a month after that. And she said that, and I'm like, you know, might as well do it. And it sunk in like my mom would be yelling at me right now for not doing what I need to be doing, for not studying, for treating my wife badly. And then not that I was treating her bad, but I just. I was just distant and I was and I was mean. And and my mom grew, you know, growing up with my mom, when she disciplined me, I got whooped. And some people will say today that it was child abuse. I got whooped with anything my mom could get a hold of because again, at 16 years old, I was 6'3 and 250 pounds. So my mom had to do anything she could to rein me in. My mom used shoes, extension cord, broomstick, and and my wife said, "What would your mom do?" And I said, "She would throw a shoe at my head and bring some fists <laughs> back to me." <laughs> and at that point, I just like, you know what? I gotta stop because she was like. It's something that my bro- youngest brother said as well. He's like, look, A.D., I don't know if you know this, but I always looked up to you. He said, I always looked up to you. He said, we may not always got along, but I always looked up to you. And I tell everybody how proud I am of you because you did something none of us had the courage to do. You left South Carolina. And he was like, he said, it's not that Eminem is bad, but when you know something isn't good for you, you walked away. You decided that you weren't going to let it hold you. 
And those things is what snapped me out of it. I thought about my guidance counselor and I send a picture of each degree. After each degree that I got, I took a picture of it with me and I sent it to him. I wasn't supposed to be here. Sometimes it still it still gets me that my mom is not here, but I do have my other mom, Farrah's mom. I call her mom because her mom and my mom became the best of friends, and she took me on like my mom. She tells me when I'm doing something good, and she does not hold back when I'm doing something wrong. Right. And that's what I, to me, I need that in my life. I need someone to tell me to call me out on my craziness and not be ashamed about it. I mean, Dre and TJ, you both do that to me. And especially TJ. TJ will come in like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, he, 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 and both of y'all say, I love you like a brother, but um, you know better. <laughs> and that's what, and I think that's what the world needs. Everybody needs those people they, they call them out on their BS. Yeah, I have one. I have one woman at church who calls me out on my BS. If I'm doing something wrong, I call her Mama Marie. If I'm doing something wrong, she call me out on it. But she also has my back. And her thing is, we can't build you up if we can't if we keep throwing stuff on top of it. Right. If you got right. dirt, and we throw more dirt on top of it. To cover up your dirt, it's just gonna become a molehill. We gotta call you out so you can get rid of it, so you can have a solid foundation. Yep. Right. And that's what I did. I mean, I, I'm glad I have people. I have you. I have TJ, Andre. I have my wife. I have Mama. I have Mama Marie. Even Sanaya, four years old, going on twenty four. She'll but tell she me, Bubba, like a llama. <laughs> Bit <laughs> like a llama. Bit like a llama. <laughs> but would tell me, Bubba, you being mean. <laughs> and when a four-year-old tells you that you're being mean, chances are you probably are being a little mean. Being mean. Yeah, right. chances are, yes. The four-year-olds are the meanest out there. I don't know if you guys oh. know. Four-year-olds are, are some bullies. Um, yeah. Especially uh, when the four-year-old is the size of a seven-year-old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can tell you my daughter, she's a bully, man. I love that girl to death, but she is a bully. You know, it, it kind of ties into your original quote of, you know, the type of woman you have in your life is, is kind of how your life turns out. Um, mm -hmm. That is a very traumatic thing to go through. Um, and I can only imagine if you didn't have fair there or the, you know, the other people around you or your family to, you know, come around you. Um, that's, that's something that alone, I don't think most people could deal with. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, even me, I don't, I don't think I could deal with that. So it does go to show how important, you know, the people around you are and how important it is to, you know, talk about these type of things. Um, uh, but that, that actually leads me into my next question. Uh, that, that's a question that's, Difficult for everybody, but what would you, if you had the chance, what would you say to your younger self? I, you know what the crazy thing is? My wife and I joked about this last night. I'll, uh, I said, if I could go back and talk to 21-year-old Adrian, it would be take everything in stride. 
take it all in stride. I wouldn't. I mean, and I, and I said, would I give myself lottery numbers? <laughs> would I? Would I tell them to bet on the Bulls for three years and then wait two years and then another two, three years? <laughs> would I do all that? And I would just say, you know, just taking a stride. Everything you learn, everything you go through is for a reason. You're right. going to be all right. And I said I wouldn't give myself lottery numbers because if I did that, would I be where I am right now? Right. And yep. I, I, I mean, I'm not the richest person in the world. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I am happy where I'm at, in a sense. I mean, I want to go back into wrestling, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But the thing is, and I think a lot of people just aren't happy with themselves. And I just tell myself, be happy. Be happy. Just be happy. Just be happy. Be happy. Because it's going to work out in the end. Yeah, Take right. everything, all the good things and all the bad things. They're all lessons and they're all tests in life. You got to go through the te- the hard times to, see, to get you ready for the good times. Yeah. Or the, like TJ you talked about getting things for one business and it fell apart, but it's sitting there ready for the next thing. We right. got the, right. the, the, the things that people would think is trash that we would call trash, even if it, if it happened to us, we got that's trash, we don't need it. It's going to come back to play to help us out in the long run. And I just be like, that's why I'm like, I look back and I look at and I look at the lessons and the things that happened to me. And I'm like, would I keep myself from marrying my first wife? And it's not that we just didn't love each other. Just It just didn't work out for us. Right. Yeah. We're just too young. I was very inexperienced in life. She was very experienced in life. And it just didn't work out. But I learned a lot about myself. And I would tell myself, you know, take that lesson with you. Right. Right. Yeah, you uh, you hit on a, a big key point, Adrian, with the journey. And I think the, the problem with every human being is we want instant gratification and you know it would be great if you know we could call on god and say hey you know how's this how's this gonna work out and it would be awesome to hear the answer um but would you really enjoy it would you appreciate it would you value once you got there i don't think so i don't think any of it but because we would just know um you know we wouldn't do the things we needed to to get there. Um, everybody is all about getting to Z, but there's a whole rest of the alphabet you got to go through to get to that point. And, right. you know, how do you grow if you really don't have any challenges to go through? Um, right. You know, because I, I can tell you now, you know, if someone's out there saying, I want to be a millionaire, well, if you're not groomed to be a millionaire, you're going to lose all that money before you can even enjoy it. But if you've grown to a point where you can appreciate and value how you got there and how you're going to keep your money, it's going to be well worth it. So I definitely think that you, uh, you know, you hit on something that, like I said, a lot of people don't like to to talk about or bring up. Also, do you have the work ethic? Right. 
I mean, I think I think TJ said to me, if we said it a while back, you want to, how you going to want a steak dinner, but you have a hot dog work ethic? Yep. Yeah. And it, and it even, and it can go further than that though, right, Adrian? Because it can be yeah. deeper than that. If you, if you don't have that steak work ethic, then you're probably working on something that you, you treasure about as much as a hot dog. Right. Thanks. I know that that's, <laughs> that sounds weird, but what I'm getting at is you've got to, yeah, you have a path that you've got to take, but like, for instance, and I don't know if my wife would love me saying this, but you, I'm, I'm almost 300,000 in debt. That's just, you know, from buying a new house, everything else. So it's natural debt. It's not like I owe anybody anything. I'm yeah. just paying. Right. But my parents never could get to $300,000 in debt. Thank you. Nobody would have given them that money. Right. That's also what we said earlier about where we are now compared to what our, where our parents were. But right. We just we just we we just bought a house here in Jersey. My parents never owned a home. My yep. parents never graduated. Well, they graduated from high school, but they never graduated from college. Yep. We are our ancestors' wildest dreams come true. Yep. Right. Our parents would love to be able to have the kind of the kind of debt we have. I mean, on top of the house, you know, I y'all know y'all hear me joke about it all the time. My student loan debt alone is enough to buy a house. Right. <laughs> yep. But it and but it's it, a good, you know, like it's one of those situations where it you Dre, you said it, you know, you can't become a millionaire without becoming a millionaire. So in other words, mm-hmm. like you know, we, I, heck, you know, at $300,000 in debt, then I should in theory be worth about 500,000. Right. Okay. And if that's the case, that means that I'm halfway to a million, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to have that million. And there might be moments where I make mistakes and I lose a bunch of it. But Mm -hmm. once you, it's, it's all about you. I mean, Dre, that convert, this is a perfect situation for that conversation we had back when I was at the old house we were talking about how we went out into the world, barely knowing how to do our laundry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when you first move out and you're like, what am I doing? Right. Like, how do I even set up electric? Yeah. Do I, wow. you know, it's all part of the plan, right? We have to work. And that's why so many people stay in that poor mindset. I have friends that I am very dearly close to that I have to taper off telling them things because mm-hmm. everything sounds like a, like a get rich scheme, you know, get rich fast scheme when yeah. you have a mindset that's a step or two behind, right? Right. You hear a guy come up to you and say that he's selling houses and he's making millions and you can't even get through college. You're going to look at him and be like, either you're going to jump on fail because you don't know how to complete that process because you haven't, right rose to that occasion or you're just going to straight up get mad at him and say leave me alone you're just trying to take my money right because you're poor and at that point you're living paycheck to paycheck you're eating ramen noodles i've actually had friends call me a piece of garbage and stop talking to me for years because i tried to help out mm-hmm. so as part of that path we also have to 
and this is what you know back to your what you'd say to your younger self too adrian we have to tell them it's gonna be all right we don't need to give them a cheat code because the biggest cheat code would be you're all good everything's gonna be good and as long as you have the right mindset you'll be fine and unless you guys have something else to say that kind of leads me into our closing there's one one quick thing we also got to remember that we can't help everybody yep true as much as we want to we cannot help everybody else you can't help who don't want to be helped or who can't or who can't yeah and yeah, and you know what that that still perfectly goes into the closing dre if you're good i'm good dre and i want to close with some some feeling you know we want people to to kind of you know have a vibe when they leave the podcast <clears throat> and uh it kind of it kind of goes with you know having that right mindset being in the right place at the right time and being ready and uh so so for me is be decent, be positive, be mindful, and above and beyond all, move forward with intent. And all that means for me and what it should mean for the people that hear the podcast is you know where you want to go. You don't quite know where you'll end up. But as long as you're good to the people around you, you keep your head up and keep moving forward, you'll get to the end of the destination. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. Appreciate that, TJ. And Adrian, it was awesome to to talk to you. There were some things I already knew. There were some things that uh, you know I, I learned today. So I appreciate you putting it all out on the table. Um, you know, as do I. Us, you know, to to listen and enjoy as well as everybody who's gonna be listening to this. So thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, with that said. You know, we're like I said that this podcast is is really meant to exactly what it says: be heard. Um, so, if anybody out there, you know, wants to be heard, you know, please reach out to us uh, at beheardpodcast at gmail .com. You know, if, if you haven't already, you know, we're going to start setting up our social medias here pretty soon. Um, launching a couple things, you know, start following us on social media, um, probably under the same handle, Be Heard Podcast. Until next time, you know, this is the Be Heard Podcast signing off. Be the champion you envision. Feel it, believe it, become it. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>